The reading is taken from Luke chapter 23, beginning to read at verse 54, which is on, the, uh, um, on page 1060 in the Church Bibles. 1060, Luke 23, verse 54, and then on to Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. The burial of Jesus. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, They told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's pray. Lord, we've declared our belief in your resurrection. We pray now that in these moments you will reveal your living presence to us and help us to renew our faith and to strength, be strengthened in your service. For Christ's sake we ask. Amen. Wake up! 
It's time to get out of bed. To desert that comfy, cozy place where you've been lying for the past few hours and to go to work or to school or to do whatever chores the day has in store for you. I wonder what you think is the worst day of the week. Many people would say Monday, because that's when the tyranny of the alarm clock, which has been switched off perhaps over the weekend, now reasserts itself. People say, I hate Monday mornings. It's back to the old routine. Unless you're retired, of course, uh, when you might have trouble remembering which day of the week it is. (laughs) For us today, Easter is a holiday time. School's out, people can go away, the days are longer, the weather's getting better, or it used to be. We have treats like Easter bunnies to celebrate with. No alarm clock to disturb us. But the first Easter wasn't like that at all. It was the first day of the week, like Monday morning. Because among the Jewish people, of course, Saturday is the Sabbath day of rest, and Sunday begins the new week. So if you and I had been living in those times, we would have woken up with what we call that Monday morning feeling, not realizing this day was going to be different. But there were a few women who couldn't wait to start their week. They had spices and perfumes which they'd got ready to perform their last loving act of devotion to Jesus, whose body lay cold in a stranger's tomb. He had been buried there late on the Friday evening, just before the sun set and the Sabbath began. Since then, as we heard in the reading, the women had been forced to wait impatiently for the Sabbath to be over and for the new week to start. They were up with the lark very early in the morning, and that's how they were the first to discover that Jesus was no longer in the tomb and became the first to receive the startling news that he was alive, risen from the dead. Before long, these women and the other disciples were having meetings with this amazing, glorified figure, their beloved Lord Jesus, still with them, but now living his risen life victorious over the grave. And today, we believe the risen Lord is still with us as we celebrate his resurrection with services in church, hymns, cakes, and chocolate. And indeed, every Sunday, we come here, we meet with Christ in our worship, in word and sacrament, and meet him even in one another as fellow members of the body of Christ. But do we ever meet him on the first day of the week? As the alarm clock goes off, summoning us to our various tasks, Do we expect to find Jesus there? Do we begin the week wondering what he might have in store for us? Is each new day a day like never before because he has a plan for us? In the routine of our daily lives, 
How often do we remind ourselves that the resurrection of Jesus has changed all this? We now wake up to a different life in which the reality of his risen life gives our lives a new dimension. A new creation has begun. Because unless we find Jesus in our daily occupations, we haven't fully met the risen Christ. He's the firstborn of God's new creation, Scripture tells us. See how he appeared to the disciples after the resurrection. He walked with those two to Emmaus. So too, by his Holy Spirit, he's with us on our journeys. He stayed at their house for a meal. So too, he's with us in our homes and our hospitality. He was at the lakeside when the disciples were trying and failing to catch any fish. So too, he's with us in our workplace. He had a fire ready and was cooking a meal. So too, he is with us in our kitchens. And he came to those disciples cowering behind locked doors because they feared the authorities would think they'd stolen the body of Jesus in order to claim he was still alive. So Jesus visits us today in our prisons, in trouble, in places of danger. Even when those prisons are of our own making, his risen life sets us free. He told his disciples, I'm with you always to the end of time. So he's there in every place now, waiting for us, showing us the way, the way to live as part of his new creation, bringing us home to the everlasting God. Very well then, how do we find Christ in the ordinary everyday places where we go each day? We're used to thinking that Christ is within us by his Holy Spirit. And of course, that's what Paul says in Romans. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. But it will be easy to conclude from this that we don't need to meet Christ because he's already with us. We take him with us into the world. But actually, that's not the whole truth. Christ is already out there before us, and if we think we already have the whole of Christ, we stand to miss out on a very great deal of what God has for us. We do not possess Christ. Christ owns us and uses us in his service. And first of all, there are opportunities of witness and service. In evangelism, for example, we don't just offer people a ready-made package we bring with us. We first of all listen to discover what God is doing in people's lives so that we may possibly contribute to that and help people forward in their spiritual quest. It's God's mission, not ours. And as with evangelism, so in all other forms of Christian service, we should be trying to look out for signs of Christ's presence already there. You remember Jesus told us in the parable of the sheep and the goats, 
that in all those times when we respond to the needs of the poor, the hungry, the refugee, the sick, the destitute, we're serving Christ himself. That's clearly one way in which we can meet Christ in our everyday lives as we watch out for opportunities to minister to others in his name. But there are also ways in which Christ ministers to us in the everyday things we meet, if we are awake to his presence. It seems the first disciples didn't always recognize Christ after the resurrection. Mary Magdalene, in the garden, saw this figure and assumed he was one of the gardeners. The two disciples going to Emmaus had no idea who their companion might be until they were at table and he blessed the bread and broke it. Those who went fishing couldn't make out the stranger on the shore until one of them surmised it might be Jesus. In the same way, I believe Christ comes to us in a hidden way. I'm not suggesting he's going round Shrewsbury heavily disguised. Rather, I think there are times when a chance encounter, perhaps with a stranger, or perhaps when we meet up with an old acquaintance, or when we have a brief conversation with someone at the bus stop or in a shop, or when a curious coincidence which occurs makes us stop and think, or when something unexpected happens, any of these things may strike a chord which makes us aware that Christ is in it, using those circumstances or those words to speak to our hearts with guidance, encouragement, reassurance, or maybe a warning. Even though anyone else present at the time is totally unaware of what it means to us. There's a famous example of this in the life of Augustine, the great Christian teacher who became a bishop in North Africa in the days of the Roman Empire. As a young man, he was sitting in his garden one day when he heard a child's voice calling next door repeatedly, take and read, take and read. He couldn't see the child or the person to whom the child might be speaking, but the words prompted him to pick up the book which was on the table beside him. And that is how Christ met him. The book was Paul's letter to the Romans, which had been there all the time, but it was the child's voice that Christ used to convert him. If Christ is truly risen as Lord of God's new creation, then we should expect to find him active through the agency of the Holy Spirit in the ordinary everyday things going on around us. Stuff happens is a favorite phrase used today, particularly by young people, to describe the complexities of modern life. Well, Christ can use any sort of stuff to achieve his purposes. And that's true even of the evil things that men do. It means that Christ was there when the bombs went off in Brussels last Tuesday. He was there using people and circumstances to bring his comfort and peace 
to those crying out in their sufferings. There hasn't been time yet to hear many reactions from this latest outrage, but when the Paris atrocities happened, we heard many examples of how people had had a sense that God was with them in their suffering. So when that alarm goes off and we have to get out of bed, let's hear it again. I like doing this. When that alarm goes off and we have to get out of bed, let's wake up to a new day because Christ is risen the beginning of God's new creation and we shall rise with him to meet him in whatever awaits us. My life flows on in endless song above earth's lamentation. I hear the real though far off hymn that hails a new creation. No storm can shake my inmost calm while to the rock I'm clinging. Since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Amen.